this is gonna be the best book you ever read. Like, this is your new favorite book. Off the internet, man. I need to go be introverted. <laughs> Welcome to Books in the City. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to Books in the City. I'm Kayla. I'm Libby. I'm Emily. And I'm Becky. Woo! <laughs> so, you guys going to Central Park on Saturday? I'll be there. No, but actually, our in real life Books in the City podcast meetup is happening in Central Park at 1 p.m. This coming saturday and we're so excited and there's going to be more information on the website about where exactly in central park it is and we're going to have goodies and books to swap and all kinds of stuff each other maybe some snacks to smile at yeah yeah bring a book <laughs> to swap bring your merch uh bring yourselves and and be vaccinated or wear a mask please yeah and yeah we'll see you there Speaking of merch. Speaking of merch. <laughs> We've got plenty of it. Our hats just came in. I am currently sporting one, our little pink main character one. We have a lot of other options and colors. And if you're not into hats, there's like mugs <laughs> and bookmarks and stationery and a bunch of other goodies. So check out our website for all our merch stuff. Also, happy birthday, Emily. <laughs> happy birthday, Emily. <laughs> what? Tomorrow is Emily's birthday, so make sure you go wish her a happy birthday. Yeah. Main I might character. even forget. Sometimes I forget when it's my birthday. How can you forget when there's a song about your birthday? I know. Earth, Wind, and Fire. We were talking about this earlier. Everybody loves to break out the September song, but it's really, you know, if anyone has access to Earth, Wind, and Fire, it's this guy, because I have a birthday on September 21st. <laughs> and do you We've remember discussed the 21st on the, of September? On the podcast before. Yeah, every year. I mean, it, it's it's cyclical, this joke. Were so, you born at night? No idea. <laughs> no idea. I think like maybe three. We've also gone over yeah, this. She doesn't, yeah. she doesn't know where her birth certificate is, and it she it's not written there. I think I figured it out for co-star or my mom gave me a guesstimate or something uh, uh i think her doctor didn't believe in epidurals so oh i think they might have she might have blocked it out <laughs> i would too yeah <laughs> she, she might have blocked it out i don't know mom correct me if i'm wrong just kidding <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> are the fish celebrating your birthday <laughs> it's funny you should ask this week the fish want to know what is your favorite birthday party you've had? Or like your favorite birthday memory? They have birthdays on the mind. Birthdays on the mind. It's weird. <laughs> Those fish really know what's up. So I love my birthday and I always like have great birthdays. But my sweet 16, I think for every girl it's like a big thing. But being from Long Island, like it is the show, my super sweet 16 their like weddings I know a girl who actually wore a wedding dress to her sweet 16 so in the context of my life though my parents had like just split so it was very like we're buying happiness for everything time of my life (laughs) which worked out great for me um so usually you choose to have like a vacation or a party but I had both so I had like a party at night on the beach in the Hamptons and it was like very cool um and fun and then 
my whole family, my parents who had just split up, actually, my siblings, three of my best friends, and then one of my sister's best friends went to Disney for like two weeks. And actually, so growing up, I would go to Disney like every spring break. And both of my siblings' birthdays would always fall over a spring break. And I was always so upset. I was never in Disney on my birthday. So oh, I actually yeah. got to do it. For oh, that's nice. Did you get to do like a special Disney birthday? Like, I don't know. Did Mickey Mouse personally deliver you a cake or something? <laughs> well, I'm sure like. I'm sure they have something that, for that. Yeah. Like you get like a pin or whatever. Oh. If you're like, whenever you're celebrating, you could like go to the, when you first get to the park and they'll give you a pin with it. Um, and I'm sure they sang happy birthday to me at like every yeah. thing. So <laughs> every corner you turn and they just every be like, day. we heard it's your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Which like, you know, I would love. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I was going to say, I was thinking of another birthday and then you said 16 and I had a really good 16th birthday trip because that was the first time I visited New York with my mom and my aunt and we like Aww. saw Broadway shows and just did it all. We actually went to Hoboken and you went to the ate cake bus. At the cake bus because I was obsessed with it at the time, and I had that birthday cake, and it tasted bad. Yeah, we brought it stuff all the bad. way back to not to like Chicago. publicly slander, but cake boss stuff is gross why they get a show i used to really they're they're watch like that show and like th- no like i think it's more because they have they have like big personalities they're big personalities they're big beautiful cakes, cakes like mm-hmm. um but fondant yeah, it's doesn't not taste it. oh i do like, like think fondant. it would what yeah oh that makes sense because she likes candy corn okay yeah, um, <laughs> yeah so that it's was unique. that was a good one and then my mom has a talent for throwing like themed parties. So I had some really great birthday parties growing up. And one that comes to mind is like, okay, I was always into like weird things because I'm just like that kind of person where I was really into a random thing for one year. And for my second grade birthday, it was Annie. And my mom made me a dress. And I don't we think that's weird. <laughs> I don't either. It's not like you said you were really into like slime. Slime. That's well, not that's weird, not weird either, either for kids today. No, that's true. That's, that's true. my number one thing. <laughs> but I guess like, what was I a kid in nineteen ninety something? Like Annie wasn't exactly in circulation. Yeah, yeah. We all yeah. watched nineteen ninety nine. The, the oh, Disney Annie came out, which is the best version, if you ask me. Yeah, but uh, Emily thought she was being like the niche and cool kid. Meanwhile, Annie was mainstream. Yeah, <laughs> story of my Everybody life. Everybody knew about Annie, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, because I was like the previous year, I was really into Wizard of Oz and then Annie. And um, I see a theme. I see a theme. <laughs> musicals, right? And that <laughs> was a good one because the first time I saw like a production of a theater show, we saw it performed in, at like our local high school, and it was really fun. And all my friends were there. They probably thought it was like, why are we seeing a musical? <laughs> and oh, they like, probably thought it. That's so different, though. Yeah, than like fun. going to someone's house and like just eating cake and pizza and yeah. running around. It's different. Yeah, so that was fun. And then from that point on, I really liked theater and wanted to, like, perform in theater troops and stuff. So that was a good birthday. Oh, I've had a lot of birthdays. Those are both, like, cool because they set you on the path of your life, yeah. you know? Whoa. Like a New York trip. Life path. Love it. Beautiful. I feel like I've always hated that my birthday is in the winter because I've always wanted to have a pool party so bad. So maybe one day I will. Ooh, indoor. Yeah. Well, I'd never had that. I 
one birthday party that's weirdly memorable but not necessarily for a good reason was <laughs> it's probably because it's my least favorite one i ever had oh my god it was valentine's day themed because my birthday is like a week after valentine's day mm-hmm. and i don't even know if i picked that theme but i like distinctly remember it because my dad made his famous spaghetti which i love and I had only one friend come over and I had like a teddy bear shaped cake that ha- was like holding a heart. Aww. I remember sitting in my basement eating spaghetti. Nice. <laughs> it was like really cold out. And I don't know. I don't know why I remember that so vividly. But my favorite was probably th- I invited a bunch of girls over and then we all went and got manicures. Nice. Fun. And yeah, that was that was fun. I don't have anything like big that I remember really. I, I remember when I was really little, my parents were really into cake decorating. Oh. And so they threw me a like chef themed party. And like we all Whoa. had like the white like chef hats. Okay, fun. And like That's we extra. decorated. Um, <laughs> yeah. We decorated. Um, what are they called? Aprons with like puffy paint. And my dad still has mine Aww. like That's at his house. That's a cute idea. Yeah. yeah. And the cake was uh 101 dalmatians decorated and they did it oh yeah fun so that one was really memorable considering i very vaguely even remember that house it was like before kindergarten oh Oh, wow yeah yeah that's a good party so that's my answer (laughs) um i also love birthdays and like every birthday is the best birthday but in growing up my family lived like a mile from my cousins who have like similar we were just really close with these cousins and they had a pool and my one cousin's birthday is the day after mine and then they have cousins on their side who also have a birthday like right around June 19th so we would have like joint just a ton of like kids oh, with cute. June Aww. 19 through like 21 birthdays just like running around the pool we always i always have like memories of funfetti cake with ice cream oh, yeah, vanilla ice cream it. like outside i'd play mermaids with See, my this cousin. is what i'm jealous oh, of mermaids yeah. yeah summer birthdays really are the best it's so fun yeah you don't have to rub it in <laughs> I mean, like honestly i feel so bad for anyone you never celebrate your birthday in school well maybe you could because you're no, in june i couldn't and i couldn't even celebrate my half birthday because it's right before christmas so oh my i'm a victim okay, okay. <laughs> this world oh no but God. it wasn't that was thing. a big thing growing up like i used to get very upset about yeah, it yeah well and people would bring snack you know like it was your day and you'd bring treats and the moms would show up with like cupcakes i never you'd get a crown and i'm the opposite i'm like the beginning of the school year i mean i didn't really change like groups very much so like i don't know some point in my life i knew like a lot of the kids but the early early birthdays it was scary because like it's the first part of Um, school like i don't know anyone really so so you have to invite your whole class yeah and you're like it's a little early to be celebrating (laughs) with strangers i don't know about you people yeah (laughs) i don't know about you guys yeah um but nothing's worse than february birthday sorry becky (laughs) that's not true it's really rude (laughs) dude this year my roommate uh who has a february birthday same birthday right didn't we talk about this? Mm-hmm. We went to the ocean and we ran in and did yeah. a polar plunge. Uh, and I highly recommend. I'm going to pass on that. That <laughs> It's going to be a hard pass for me. <laughs> we'll we'll meet you in Jersey and we'll maybe go I'll, into the ocean. Yeah. This year we'll all go skiing. Mm. Okay. I will we can you. offer ski with some <laughs> hot cocoa. <laughs> so I'm in the lodge. I am not getting on skiing. <laughs> or you could take a trip somewhere. Actually, this year I, I am going to Las oh, Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're seeing Shania. Shania Twain. You can go play in those pools. Bop. Vegas has pools. 
matter. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but yeah. Vegas in February is like 60 something degrees. Um, mm. But you could do one of those like clubs Heated with the hot pool. tubs yeah. in mm-hmm. them. <laughs> do the full Vegas experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me and Huge my, bring my the tiger. 70 something year old aunt will go to the. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was your sister that you were going with. My sister is coming as well. Yeah. Oh, that's so fun. I want to go sing karaoke. Yeah. So we'll see. We interrupted uh, Libby. No. You didn't. <laughs> I don't I don't know what I was saying. I don't think you interrupted. Oh. <laughs> we're but I don't know if we mentioned this before, but we're back in person for this and we're like bumbling around like a bunch of like kid like I don't know, kids that are learning to walk <laughs> <laughs> with our mics and Yay. stuff. Um so if you hear bumps and stuff, that's why. Um, should we talk about books? <laughs> Let's do it. Probably. <laughs> Emily just took a drink of water and Becky like laser eyed the water. That was funny. Okay, I'm first. (laughs) (laughs) Kayla's like, shut up and listen. So I'm going to be talking about The Night She Disappeared by Lisa Jewell. It's actually kind of wild because Lisa Jewell is one of my favorite authors and I've never spoken about one of her books on the podcast before. Hmm. So I love her books because I know going into all of them that they all have like this huge cast of characters that are so interesting on their own and they weave together through each other's lives and through different timelines. And like, I just love that in any book, but she pulls it off so well in every single book I've read of hers. So she did it again with this one. This book is about a missing girl. And I actually interviewed Lisa. Oh my God. Was that yesterday? Wow, time is so weird. Yesterday what? in the real world that we're recording, but you guys will hear so that in a soon. Oh, no, yeah, two days ago. Two okay, days. whatever. So um, I interviewed Lisa, and if you're a fan of her, bro- her books, you'll notice that she writes about missing people often, and she told me why. So definitely check that interview out. But the main girl is Tallulah, and she's the one who goes missing. So because her books like jump through timelines and characters like it's not told linearly I'm gonna like not talk about it that way so so Tallulah's like whole character arc is that the book opens and she's stuck somewhere cold and dark and there's a bunch of spiders and then we flash forward from there so she's a teen mom who lives at home with her mom, Kim, and her little brother and her boyfriend slash her son's father lives with them also. And she's going to school to become a social worker. And at the bus stop one day, she meets this girl, Scarlett, who she's always seen from afar at school. And Scarlet Scarlett is super rich, super popular. She's kind of like cool and edgy. And they go to the same college. English schooling is so confusing to me because I always assumed college was like our high school, but they're like 18, 19. Like the ages just don't match up to what I would just think in like the American school. Our college is their university. Yeah. Wait, so their colleges are what? I always thought what they call college is what we call high school. Or like really junior, senior year, I think, because it's only two years. I don't know. But they're like older teenagers. Well, Mm -hmm. to our listeners in the UK, (laughs) let us know. Explain it, please. Thanks. (laughs) Breakdown. So Scarlett lives in this giant house called Dark Place. And I think, I mean, I've always been interested in these like old English estates, but I'm watching Dad's Navi right now. So I'm even like more intrigued by this. So this house is 
so cool. It has a really cool history dating back to the English uh, Civil War, which is like the 1600s. And they like really get into it in the book. And it was just such a cool setting. I was like, I want to visit this place. So the girls end up becoming friends. Whatever a lot happens, I'm not going to tell you. But then one day Tallulah doesn't come home. So now we're like the whole book switches back and forth between people. But in her mom, Kim's perspective, she's at home watching the baby. So Tallulah and the boyfriend, Zach, can have a date night. And they don't come home that night. And she's like, okay, whatever, I'm going to go to bed. And then the next morning, they're still not back. And she starts to panic because they're both like very devoted to their baby son. And she's like, they would never leave him. Mm. So she learns that they were last seen going to Dark Place. And then that's it. No one ever saw them again. So then from that point you flash forward a year and we meet this new character named Sophie and she's just moved to this village because her boyfriend is the new head teacher at the boarding school there and she is a detective novelist and one day she's walking in the backyard and she sees this sign that says dig here so obviously she digs and (laughs) (laughs) obviously and what she finds ends up reopening what became a cold case of Tallulah's disappearance so then it like all kicks off from there in that timeline um and that's like all I can say without telling you what happens wait quick question why did they go to dark place in the first well you have to read it to find out (laughs) so does she find a body you can't say no she doesn't (laughs) (laughs) for a second i was like is that a spoiler but then in the interview lisa jewel was like they don't find a body i was like okay okay, okay. (laughs) so that's like all i can say but i what i also love about lisa jewel's novels is that they wrap up like all of them that i've read and i've read like six or seven they wrap up in a way that I would literally never think of but they make so much sense then when you get to that moment and we talked about her endings a lot in the interview and it was really cool to hear her perspective on it and how much she takes into account like what she knows her readers enjoy and like thriller readers are like kind of always looking for and like she doesn't do these huge crazy twists that yeah are fun in thrillers but sometimes they're like this makes no sense like Mm -hmm. it came out of nowhere like it always like she weaves everything together in such a way that by the end it's like they're they really all come together in a way that makes sense but still like so surprising and it's like steadily paced and I just love it and I know like going into all of her books like it's like a treat almost like I know I'm gonna like get these things that I love in any book so I was reading this one when I was home for the weekend and my sister and I share a room and it was like so late and she shut the lights off and I was reading it on my Kindle and I was like under the covers <laughs> like, <laughs> like I was like back in elementary school staying up late reading because wow. I needed to know what happened so I highly recommend I gave it four stars um, and make sure you check out the interview I had with Lisa and that was The Night She Disappeared by Lisa Jewell. Libby what did you read? I read uh, The Other Black Girl by Zakia Delilah Harris. I know. I'm really excited. I waited a little one. This came out in, did I say a little one? I waited a little (laughs) while. (laughs) This came out in 2021 in June. And I have talked about this on the podcast before, but like with hyped books, I feel like I need to wait a little bit. Wait, you said you, (laughs) 
we was, I just thought that was funny. She's like, I waited a little. It came out in 2021. It came <laughs> out three months ago, but I did wait till Yesterday. now. Um, but also I got a copy from you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was part of it too. Anyway, um, it was really fun for me to read. Fun is probably not the right word because it deals with like a lot of heavier topics. But specifically, like one part of this book that I was like delighted to read was the dynamic between assistants and higher ups in publishing specifically because I have been an assistant in publishing and this is probably true of like most industries but this author was an assistant at Knopf for three years and so obviously she like nails it but it's like that whole thing was so enjoyable for me to read but also like gave me you know flashbacks to terrible times but I think especially in publishing, there's this like culture of talking about like fondly like, oh, when I was an assistant, I took all these opportunities and like that comes from the higher ups, you know, and it's this whole mentality of like, you should feel lucky to be here. Like you get to work with books and I'm like, but I'm miserable every day. So why are we pretending like we're all, you know, it's just like, a don't know. That's weird that I like loved reading that, but I just she like nailed it. (laughs) But anyway, this experience in the book is obviously different from mine because in this case the assistant is also basically the only black person in the department but also the kind of the company which is a huge part of the book so I will get into that because that experience is obviously different from mine so the main character is Nella she is 26 years old she's been an editorial assistant uh for a couple years now at this publishing house called Wagner and it's super like prestigious in my mind I was paralleling it to Knopf a little bit and I don't know if that's because I knew that the author used to work there but it's also just kind of this like long-standing like has had all the big names whatever kind of house Nella is not super happy in her role there anymore she's like kind of feeling stuck she's also like I said before the only black person and so she's been like kind of fielding all kinds of microaggressions and like you know just the day-to-day bullshit of being the only black person in a company and you know she's like asked for complimentary like sensitivity reads but also not being given like serious projects that are allowing her to like move up in the company yeah she's just not overall very happy but then one day at the beginning of this book she sees another girl having an interview and she's another black girl and then two weeks later this girl starts at the company so her name is Hazel she's gonna be an assistant for another editor she sits right next to Nella and at first Nella is really excited because she's like amazing like somebody who can kind of like relate to me without all of the bullshit of this all-white publishing house um and yeah so she's excited but then something happens with her boss that I'm going to be like vague about and not specific where she kind of speaks up in a way where she feels like she's sort of like taking ownership of her role there but her boss is very unhappy with that choice and it becomes a thing and that's Hazel no 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 Nella but then because of this sort of incident Hazel kind of becomes the new like elevated to office favorite kind of Mm. she sort of like swoops in and 
is like getting some good credit and just mm. like seems from there Nella feels like she's like getting more opportunity and even though she's been there for way less time than Nella and it's this interesting kind of like are they being pit against each other but also like what's actually going on I'm being really vague because it was like fun to read about and not know very much about like the actual incident shortly after this Nella starts getting ominous notes oh. on her desk they're anonymous and they're like like the first one says leave Wagner now oh my, oh god. my god and she's like what the hell is this and she's like wondering you know her mind is like okay could it be Hazel but then that seems unlikely and like there's some more notes that follow so she's starting to get like a little freaked out also as this is happening some weird things start happening with Hazel like weird as in like scary and she just like is realizing some things about Hazel might be like off and she doesn't know like what Hazel's deal is who she can trust and it's just like very does this have like magical realism fantasy elements to it no oh okay well or like yes. horror because well, it sounds like a little spooky sorry it is spooky Oh, I didn't so know it that. does. It does have some elements. To it's it. been put, the comps were um, Get Out meets the Stepford Wives. If that gives uh, you any idea, interesting. There, it, I wouldn't call it fantasy or magical realism as much as like maybe a little like paranormal, elevated, um, satirical. Not not really paranormal. Okay. I don't know. Just I like don't know. Horror, it's it's horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. at moments. And there gotcha. and it it's like it's creepy at parts. I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, like sorry to bother you. Kind of. Well, it kind that's... of reminds me of when no one is watching. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Cuz that was also kind of like get out. Okay. But I obviously don't know what it, happens in this book cuz I haven't read it. Yeah. <laughs> from what you're saying. I think if you're going into it like this is like Get Out, I think you'll be disappointed by the ending. But if you're going into it like it, this could be kind of like Get Out, but just different, okay. you will be disappointed. <laughs> that didn't really, I don't know. It's, I will say also it's like a very slow build. Like these mysterious things are happening. Not much is being explained. One other thing about the plot is it doesn't consistently go back and forth in time, but there are these sporadic chapters that flash back to the 1980s when there was this big like runaway hit at Wagner books by this woman Diana and she was a black woman and another big part of the success of this novel was that her editor was this woman Kendra who was also black so it was like in the 80s in publishing this like black women led successful book that was you know like a hit and it was exciting and whatever but Kendra the editor very mysteriously like disappeared oh. and you don't really know what what happened disappeared yeah and there was this scandal leading up to her disappearance that's alluded to but you don't know exactly what that was and so there are these random chapters that like clearly something at Wagner is weird something's in the air I guess mm -hmm. interesting um, I'm not gonna say much more because it's a mystery. It's a slow build. Obviously, the what's actually going on, I can't talk about. But it, I really liked it, and it like kept me guessing. Actually, 
I did guess what was going on like fairly early but what I enjoyed most was like this ominous build and I felt like it captured more than just like what it's like to be an assistant like what it would be like to be an assistant where you're like fully not supported because you're kind of the only person there who's had your experience and then also this like assistants being pit against each other but what does that mean when it's like the only two black assistants are being pit against each other and it brought up just like a lot of broader issues but was still such a like page turner and amazing to read because I was like what is going on like who's leaving these notes is anyone like what's it was so good that sounds really good yeah it was a fun read I highly recommend it I gave it four stars worth the hype honestly yeah nice yeah and I love a publishing success story where a person, you know, I cannot imagine her time at Knopf was that different from maybe some of Nella's experiences. It <laughs> seems like she's writing from experience. So mm. I'm like, yes, get your six figure deals and like amazing. Nice. I'm yeah. definitely going to keep reading um, whatever the author writes next. But that was The Other Black Girl by Zakia Delilah Harris. Emily, what'd you read? Okay, so I'm going to talk about Emergency Contacts by Mary H.K. <gasps> Choi. Oh, I want to read this. Right? So I've been seeing a lot of her work blowing up on Instagram for a while now, specifically because Yoke came out and was um, positively received. And she's got like books that have striking covers. I've always been like drawn to her work. And it seems like she has a really great resume because she's written as a journalist for Vice and Wired and Allure. And I really liked her writing. And I did this over audiobook, and I'm glad I did it that way because there's multiple actors for the multiple POV chapters. And I thought that was like a fun way to consume the story. So this is a white romance. And <laughs> we open a what? A romance. A, but what it, what did you say at first? A Why what? A it was YA. a yo. It was a joke. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just didn't hear you. Oh. I'm not going to repeat it. I didn't if it didn't hit. Your accent, your Chicago accent was too strong. It was not. It was just supposed to be funny. <laughs> but nobody laughed with me. <laughs> okay, we're just going to circle back. It's a YA romance. <laughs> and we open on Penny, who is moving to Austin, Texas, to go to school for creative writing and to kind of get away from her mom, who she describes as being a certified hot mom. Who knows how to flirt. Um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> to me the relationship felt like if Rory and Lorelai from Gilmore Girls like weren't friends. Oh. Interesting. Ooh. So that's kind of how that felt. Like that one episode where they were mad at each other. No just like if Rory was constantly not impressed by Lorelai's <laughs> antics. You I know see. that kind of vibe. Got it. Um, so <laughs> her new roommate at college introduces her to the the girl's uncle sam who is actually only 21 but because of like family marriages he's still her uncle and he works at a local coffee shop as the barista and baker and sam has creative ambitions to direct movies and documentaries but he's currently struggling to make ends meet and is getting over a very fresh very serious uh relationship at the start of the book and he's really hot like in a starved artist kind of way sorry it's her uncle it's penny's uncle it's the roommate's uncle oh in in texas yeah okay whose name i forget 
And Sam is very hot in a starved artist kind of way, but Penny's roommate warns Penny against hooking up with Uncle Sam because he's very like fragile. I can't with Uncle Sam. I'm just thinking of like the American flag hat. (laughs) It's a really disturbing image (laughs) of like um, him being a barista. Hot starving artist. Uncle Sam as a hot starving artist, but (laughs) a barista. (laughs) Uncle Sam from the I want you to have coffee. I Sorry. Want you <laughs> in my bed. What? Oh my um God. okay. So is she going to hook up with her friend's uncle? Guys, listen up. Let's, let's see. Seems wild. Let's see. Okay. So they're Penny's like kind of introverted, so they meet up, they have some sparkling chemistry, but she's like I'm not going to go for him because he's older than me. And age was such a big thing in this novel. About, like 2 years. This is Okay, this was something that bothered me cuz Sam is 21. And Penny's got to be, what, 18, 17? Actually, but when I was 18, I was like, oh, he's legal. Like, mm. dating is harder when, like, they can go into a bar with no problem and you can't. I think it's mm. a lot of not age the number, but also maturity. Like, because Sam came from kind of a lower income background, he had to mature quicker. So he's 21, but, like, an old 21. You know, like, he's seen some shit. And um, actually, he receives some news like some serious news at the beginning of the novel that triggers a panic attack that he's experiencing for the first time out in public and penny happens to be in the neighborhood and she kind of like helps him recover and they stay in touch after this incident and cheekily kind of save each other's numbers as emergency contacts Uh, okay (laughs) key you goosebumps Okay, and then oh. goosebumps. <laughs> goosebumps. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Remember when you met the love of your life over a panic attack? Goals. Um, that so- actually is like if they can help you in that moment and not judge you. Like it was a very, it was a very nice scene. I think it was good for like people who would experience them or like have relationship with anxiety. Anyways, so as they check up on each other kind of like post incident, they realize that they've got good back and forth kind of like text banter. Maybe you'll have to read this book to see what happens to them if they stay in contact. Punny. <laughs> um <laughs> I like think you pause and just look. She's like we got get this it. is and laugh. crickets. Damn. We I'm dying out here. A listener might be laughing. laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Adjust we'll color. <laughs> um I've seen this book kind of described as like urban outfitters models. <laughs> In, like, a 500 days of summer world. What? And overall, I feel like the tone is kind of like that. Like, the the characters are kind of, like, cool, chic, indie chic, you know? Like, that's how I pictured them. That's not... I don't think that's Urban Outfitters. That's maybe what Urban Outfitters thinks they are. Someone gave me... Someone in their review said, Urban Outfitters vibes. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I don't have a good reason for it, but this is how it felt. And, Mm -hmm. um... I do think the tone was kind of like light, indie, cool. But this book was also a lot about Penny and Sam's relationships with their parents and their financing and how that kind of impacted their aspirations to become artists. Like Penny wants to be a creative writer and Sam wants to direct film, but they're kind of limited by a lot of these things that they're struggling with. And I think for me, some of the way that Penny or Sam acted when they were in their family dynamics isn't what I would normally like prefer in a book like it didn't give me that satisfied fictionalized resolution and that was probably 
good because I can oh, understand like that like families are complicated but there were some times when I felt like Penny was acting in a certain way that I was like why are you so stubborn kind of thing like just the way especially that she handled her mother's antics or something I never felt like I got the fictional revolu- or resolution that I wanted but um that is probably more like true to life and a more complicated family dynamic so that was interesting to see in a book and I did also really enjoy the way texting um factored into their relationship like um the way that text messaging created intimacy between them but it also like creates distance because you're not physically seeing each other like they barely meet up and I don't always see communication like that in books um and it does kind of like beg the question if I rarely see someone, but we text all the time. Are we still like in an intimate relationship? And I think for a lot of people, the answer is yes. So that was cool to see. It felt really integrated into the story. And Penny's character attends a writing workshop where her character's idea for a novel kind of slaps. And it felt like a story (laughs) within a story to me. Like I would also read Penny's novel that she's trying to write. Um, So... That was a fun story within a story element. And I really like the way that um, this author renders like little things about life that feel very 2020, like the anxiety, the credible financial burden feeling, the like existential dread, the communication being like virtual, but hybrid. It just felt very like, I think some authors try to write from like a modern perspective and it just feels like, oh, and we included Instagram and it doesn't like, work its way into the characters like lived world and I Mm. think she wrote like our modern world very realistically in a fictionalized form and I will probably read more from Mary H.K. Choi and I really enjoyed this I think it was like a three and a half to four star so I liked it nice Nice. great cover as I said and that That was uh, Emergency Contact by Mary H.K. Choi Becky, what'd you read? Okay, so I read A Most Clever Girl by Stephanie Marie Thornton. Thornton, what is it? Wait, (laughs) is this a repeat author? No, there was just another author with the last name Thornton. Okay. No, first name Thornton. First name Thornton. Anyway. Thornton. I can't talk. So this one just came out September 14th of 2021, although I guess just is relative based on when you're listening. Week. Yeah. So thank you to Berkeley for my copy content warning death of a parent and just kind of there's a lot of death and kind of I want to say just kind of dark elements it's about a Soviet spy so things happen I'm so into this lately <laughs> and I have this so now I'm like I need to pick it up well this is cool because it's kind of World War Two, but it's about a communist spy which I've never heard oh. or read anything Whoa. about that kind of same timeline and it was interesting to read about and it's a story about a real life woman Love that. But before I get into the World War II connection, the book actually opens in the 60s in Washington, D.C., and it's just after JFK has been assassinated. And this girl, her name is Catherine, and you kind of open in, not in her perspective, but like third person where she's the main character. Um, she's just lost her mother, and her father had previously died. And she also like worked in the White House as a tour guide. So she's super Mm. shaken up by JFK's death. And she's also obviously shaken up by her mother's death. 
And you quickly learn that she's uncovered some sort of new information about her family, but you don't know really how she uncovered this or what it was that she uncovered other than the fact that a woman named Elizabeth Bentley and Elizabeth Bentley's involvement in communism is somehow related to the information that Catherine learned. And whatever the information is, Catherine is pissed. Like she shows up at Elizabeth's store with a gun and she's like, holds the gun to her and she's like, I'm going to kill you. And she demands answers from Elizabeth. And then she's like, I'll decide whether you deserve to live after you tell me this story. Oh my God. That's why. Blew her cover. (laughs) Well, so Catherine's not the spy. I guess not, obviously. But she's like a young girl in college at this point in the 60s. So I don't think she would have been able to be a spy in in the 40s. Um, (laughs) But anyway, she's not a spy. she was born. Infants would make the best spies because no one would suspect them. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Um, (laughs) So at this point in 1963, Elizabeth, the woman who has the gun held to her, is in her 50s. She's like totally over it she's lived this crazy life she's seen it all she's just like come on in girl (laughs) holding a gun to my head (laughs) oh my god (laughs) and so elizabeth starts to tell Catherine her story and this is where the book takes off and it kind of reminded me a little bit of evelyn hugo hugo in the way that this is how the story is told where you know in a in evelyn hugo evelyn is telling somebody her story and it kind of goes back and forth a little bit between like oh, like I'm telling you this story and then also just fully being in the story. So that's kind of how the book is set up. Like a story within a story, basically. So she tells Catherine this story. It's somewhat, it starts somewhat similarly to Catherine's in that both of Elizabeth's parents have just died in the beginning of her telling. And so she's like at their funeral and she like promises them, I will do something with my life, you know. And... She's all alone. She doesn't have any friends. She's never really had friends or any sort Wait, of... is she American? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So at this point, it's in. she's in New York. Her parents have just died. And she's, like, completely alone in life. And she's, like... She keeps this journal of observations of just, like, people interacting. Like... Like a psychopath. Um, I mean... Like a spy. Like maybe. Maybe. I don't know <laughs> that I would use the yeah. word psychopath. <laughs> But she's just kind of, like, awkward and not very socialized, really. And so she, like, observes other people's interactions. The type of thing of, like, oh, I don't don't know a a good example, but, like, people's facial expressions, like, when they're reacting to something, she's just, like, observing and keeping a diary of it. Oh. And I'm only telling you that so that you can get an understanding of kind of who Elizabeth is. You can't really have friendships or any sort of real relationship as Mm -hmm. a spy. But she doesn't, like, wake up one morning and it's like, oh, I would make a good spy because I don't have friends. That's not how it happens. Um, Weirdly enough. (laughs) So, like most Americans in the 40s, she's heard all about these horrible things that, like, communist regimes have done in the past. And she always heard her father speak negatively about it. But at this time, she's living in New York. And one day, she meets this woman in her apartment building. And they become fast friends. And the woman invites Elizabeth to a meeting. And this is where she starts to get involved in communism. She doesn't go to the meeting knowing she's going to a communist meeting. But she shows up and the meeting's focused on like equality for all and like equality of the sexes and like things like that. And mainly about how communist is super against fascism. And at Mm. this point in the world, 
grumblings are starting to happen about Hitler and what's going on in Europe. So she has her interest peaked at this point. But what really gets her involved in this is like she has this deep longing for a personal connection to people. So she joins really just to make friends and so that she can stay friends with this woman. It's really kind of sad. Yeah. Poor Elizabeth. I know. So after officially. Call her a psychopath. I know. How dare. Take it back. <laughs> so after officially joining what they call the party in the book, um, and I think in real life too, <laughs> um, <laughs> Elizabeth gets a job working at the Italian library. She's fluent in like Italian, English, and a couple other languages. Perfect spy. I know. She's literally a perfect spy. So her job is to translate materials. And she realizes that the materials that she's tasked with translating are actually fascist propaganda. So she takes this information to the party. She's like, hey, like this information, I'm pretty sure you guys can do something with it. Like this might be useful to you. So she quickly gets assigned to a handler. And she's just like, without even realizing how quickly it's happening, she's officially like fully a spy. For the Communist Party, though. For the Communist Party. Oh, wow. Yes. So like... She gets a code name and all of that. After just a few meetings with this handler, she realizes she's fully falling in love with him. <laughs> yeah. Only a couple meetings. Yeah. And he's falling in love with her, too, despite the fact that there's a rule against it. And he's even said to her, like, you can't have a you know romantic relationship. You can't anything like that. Mm. And they begin this like secret romance that's like intertwined with all this like intense spying and like messy connections with other spies and like so much happens in this book at first when I read the back of the book and like it says that she falls in love with her handler I was like I don't know if I really want to read this because I'm kind of burnt out on these historical fiction books about real women where the focus of the book is more about the romance than the woman and her like accomplishments like I don't if I wanted to read that I would read a historical fiction that's not about a real woman because that is more focused on like a lot of times the romance which is fun and there's a place for that but like I don't know I was like I don't know but this it worked it was it was really interesting and I am pretty sure that actually happened like this real woman Elizabeth Bentley did fall in love with her handler and have a relationship with him wow I would be so scared to like go against what the Russians told me to do. Well, so she does more than just that. There's so much that happens in this and I'm only scratching the surface. Like that's just the beginning. There's so much action and like it would make a really, really good movie. There's great characters more than just the few that I've mentioned. And her whole story wraps up in a way that I was like, OMG about like she not to give anything away. Cause I do think this is on the back of the book too, but she later becomes an informant for the FBI oh, and like yeah. she if you google her she was a real woman and they like she testified she was like the first person to testify and like started the whole red scare really oh, oh. no yeah so <gasps> started the red scare them. well you'll have to see or was but it it like it wraps up with Catherine's story too Catherine's story the reason why she's there like you figure it out and like through the whole time you're like oh my god I loved the way that like there would be little parts in parentheses like you're in Elizabeth's story like fully it's almost like you're reading I mean you are reading a book about Elizabeth but then it'll kind of almost like break the fourth wall and she'll Mm -hmm. be like now remember Catherine I wasn't supposed to like do this or you know Mm. remember what I told you earlier and like 
there would be little observations in Catherine's part where she's like, oh, Elizabeth keeps flicking this like golden lighter. And then the golden lighter would show up in like the story in some way. And she'd be like, oh, you know, you're learning what's happening along with Catherine. So it was really fun, really good. I give it 4.5 stars. (laughs) And I can't believe I wrote this word in my notes. Um, a hearty warning <laughs> Whoa. but really uh, a big I give a big warning to read the author's note at the end because she talks about how much she changed and I think that the changes were understandable and like made a lot of sense and I, I loved the book but just always remember when you're reading biographical fiction to take it with a grain of salt because it is fiction um, and do your own research in Google um, I did read some reviews that gave it like really low stars because they were upset by how much changed hmm. and this woman's story is not really well known she's kind of swept under the rug in history so yeah definitely google but it was so good i was so excited to learn about this person and yeah highly recommend i really want to see a movie of it, it i could oh. see like i don't know it just reminds me of um what's that movie red red swan red sparrow red sparrow oh i liked that one oh, I, see it. I feel like it would be yeah it would be she could play her i guess i don't know i just watched a good soviet spy movie with benedict cumberbatch on prime highly Hmm. recommend i I wanted to say though so like two years ago like right before covid actually was that two i don't know whatever that was (laughs) but she also wrote a book about jackie kennedy oh yeah and they called it camelot and i really liked it but it felt very very slow at times and i think that's Mm. why i've been nervous to pick this one up so was did this get slow or was it just like I don't think so I feel like I didn't have that feeling but let me know if you did yeah and it's funny because she also switched things around in the Kennedy book like I remember reading that author's note and like she had to do it for the story but it was like you're following this woman's like exact life like maybe just follow what actually there were certain things that she like changed like when it happened or she mentioned and I understand this change like near the end this isn't a spoiler but when she's testifying in front of like the house un-american activities (laughs) committee she testified like 12 times or something but in the book it only happens like she only does one or two and in the author's note she said this i made this change so that your eyes don't bleed reading the same testimony over and over again Mm. and like her testifying against this one dude specifically she made like a little change in it there's like a whole character that's like made up that's like a huge plot point in the book but like I, it it worked for me mm-hmm. because like I said when you're reading this biographical fiction it's like it's inspired by this woman's life yeah. I'm learning about this woman that I never heard of but also going on like this wild ride for this really well done story so I think part of the fun too is like doing your research after. yeah yeah definitely did a lot of googling Sure. Um, that's so funny though because on my way here today I passed the Chelsea Hotel which is from Fiona Davis's book about oh, the yeah. Red Scare yeah that doesn't come up in this book though but yeah what's this one called Anne? this was called A Most Clever Girl by Stephanie Marie Thornton Emily what's on your TBR? I want to read another Mary H.K. Troy book called Permanent Record nice and eventually Yoke but I heard Yoko is sad. I don't want to be sad right now. Uh, Becky, what's on your TBR? Um, I want to read The Manning Tree Witches by A.K. Blakemore. I'm like, mm-hmm. we're here in witch season. Like, it's mm-hmm. happening. I have so many witch books on my TBR, so 
I'm excited. Nice. Uh, Kayla, what's on your TBR? Okay, I'm back on my Bridgerton binge, so I'm going to read the fourth one, if that's what I'm up to, Romancing Mr. Bridgerton by Julia Quinn. Nice. I'm, like, really, really I really need to read them. Bridgerton. Like, I feel like I have a conversation weekly, like, oh, have you watched Bridgerton? No, I wanted to read it first, but I haven't gotten to it. You should read it. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's a cyclical. It is an interesting Whoa. experience, because, like, when I talked about the book forever ago, yeah. Um, I hadn't watched the show yet, so, like... The show, not spoils, but like there was things in the show that hadn't happened yet in the books for me. So mm. now it's interesting in the books, like seeing some things that were like alluded to, but I'm really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Nice. Libby. Um, I'm going to read Lincoln and the Bardo by oh. George Saunders. Awesome. Where are you on Bookstagram? Sleep, run, read, repeat. <laughs> What about you, Becky? I'm at Becky in the Bookshelves. How about you, Emily? I'm at the Lazy Library. I'm at K Redwatt, and you can find all of us at Books in the City Pod. Make sure you're tagging us and using using our hashtag My Books in the City. I realize I've been forgetting to say this. Please make sure you are following, subscribed, whatever it is you have to do <laughs> on every podcast platform you're listening on. Literally awake in the middle of the night. Like, I haven't been saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so please do that and leave us a review follow us on twitter at BATC pod like our facebook page go to the website booksandcitypod.com for everything hopefully we will see you this weekend at our meetup if you're local to the new york area or if you just want to come to town yeah (laughs) hop on a flight yeah it's so peaceful to fly now said no one ever (laughs) and if you're still here go to our instagram page and on the episode post for today let us know what your favorite birthday party was Woo-hoo. Ooh, yeah thanks for listening thanks we love you. Bye. Bye.